ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. And also, happy Hanukkah, everyone. It's been a tumultuous year, to say the least. And to be, finally be here in this place where we can enjoy just a little bit of festivity among the chaos is deeply, deeply appreciated. So with us today is the Jay Hoffman. You might know Jay Hoffman from Sephardic Soul. If you're on Instagram and TikTok, you're going to see some amazing content. Jay, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing good. Happy to be here. I'm really glad that you're here. Well, happy Hanukkah to you. As you know, our show requires a right of entry, which is the four-minute Bad Jew Challenge, where you tell your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Efaj, time shalosh, yalla. Okay, start? Okay. So yeah. I'm going to start from the most important part, where in 2017, I go on birthright for the first time really amazing experience and it makes me realize i want to stay in israel for a longer period of time and i want to learn more about judaism and be more part of it so after birthright i'm part of russian american jewish experience which is in brooklyn i'm from jersey so i was commuting like three hours there and back on a sunday for their classes and then for their trip to europe and israel but also at the same time i was applied for an internship in tel aviv through onward israel So then I booked my flight. I'm at that point living in Israel in January of 2018, two months in Tel Aviv. For rage, I got to know some rabbis who were part of Orson Math. And then I enrolled there for the rest of the time, canceled my flight back because I expected only to be there for two months and then back with rage in May. But uh, I, Tel Aviv moved to Jerusalem. I lived in uh, the Yeshiva environment till the end of 2018. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, a big part of uh, where I grew in my Judaism and learn more about Israel and, and all that. Um, on a personal level, I'd say um, I started, well, okay, so my, my name is Sephardic Saul. And the reason why it's Sephardic Saul is because I really into the Sephardic uh, interpretation of Judaism. And what I mean by that is the very old Sephardic. Uh, there's different names people use, Andalusian, Old Sephardic. Um, it's kind of a little niche right now, but basically I'd say I picked up Sa'adi Gayan, his book in 2013. I was always into like books and reading, but 2013, I found his book at a bookstore. I started reading it. It was in English. The title is Beliefs and Opinions. That's how I got my Jewish outlook in terms of Jewish theology. And so from that, you know, I just started picking up other works and You know, all this time, that's what I was doing. And when I lived in Jerusalem, when I lived at Orsamath, I brought a bunch of my books with me. So I was just reading a lot of the books that I had while there. And so that's kind of, you know, my life and my outlook a little bit, very brief. That's, that's, I don't know what else to say. Hey man, that's a good, that's a good formula by Drew John. Nicely done. Great job. No, that's great though. I, I find I find the way that you've immersed yourself in the Sephardic world honestly really 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 cool and I think that in the same way that I, I have been searching for that authentic feel to Judaism your discovery of that and the different layers of it has been really beautiful I think what you're doing is really really great again everyone who's listening should go check out Jay's Instagram account 
uh, for Sephardic Soul because there's a lot of amazing, inspiring Jewish content on there that's really wholesome and enlightening at the same time. It's really an incredible place. Thank you. The question that our listeners have been, you know, the reason why they clicked on this episode, right? It's to learn about the Maccabees, right? But we're not just learning about the Maccabees. Everyone's talked about the Maccabees. I guess what I'm going to be asking is who were the Maccabees actually, and were they actually extremists? Well, I think that's a good question. And that's like a question a lot of people are talking about and trying to answer right now. I think because in light of what has happened on October 7th, I think there is a deep soul searching in the Jewish community because it's always been, especially in America, I think I'm going to just state this straight out. I'm not speaking as an Israeli. I'm not speaking as somebody from South South Africa. I'm not speaking as somebody from Europe, India, even South America. I'm speaking as somebody from America, particularly from the New York City metro region. And this region is a region which has a lot of Jewish people who came from as survivors from Germany and also Eastern Europe. When you have the old German who came also from way before the Holocaust in the mid late 1800s. And you also have the Eastern European who fled the Tsar, not just the Soviets, but the Tsar in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So you get a lot of that. And then you also have a distinct culture that develops in this area. And that culture has been very pervasive and has also been very warm and has been something that gave a sense of stability. But right now we don't live in stability anymore. And that culture doesn't speak to the younger Jewish generation. It also doesn't have meaning anymore when you refer to it. You hear the term bagels and locks. That might have meant something years ago and been a warm thing, but now it doesn't mean anything. In fact, in, in many cases, it could be quite offensive and also very erase. It's an eraser to Jewish identity, which people are looking for. So then it goes back to a story of Hanukkah. It's like, what's going on there? How does this all start? Well, you have, you know, culture, you have Alexander the Great, a great man, one of the best, good to the Jews, which is always good. Jews That's have why, time. There, why there but, are so many Alexes in our religion. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I only have positive things to say about people who are good. I'm not going to criticize anybody. So I like Alexander the Great. Uh, there are a lot of Jews who like Alexander the Great. I like Greek culture. A lot of Jews like Greek culture. But then there comes a point when you're a Jew, like in Greek culture, or are you somebody who's now forgetting who you are and you're liking something that doesn't mean anything for you? When the Maccabees come around, you have, from what I've read so far and have heard, is that you had a priestly establishment which wasn't the best and was basically telling the king, at uh, this time you had, let me take a step back, you have Alexander the Great and then you have his successors. And his successors are like the Ptolemies. They were the ones who said, okay, look, I want every book in the world. I also want the Tanakh. Can you translate it into Greek? And so you have the Septuagint. Not looked upon highly in the Jewish world, but it's there. Then you have the Seleucid dynasty. Okay with the Jews. Then eventually not okay with the Jews. Because like all empires, they want control and they want what's best for themselves. And the Jewish community was selling out to that. Some of them, some of the leadership. Uh, especially the urban areas, which had a lot more wealth. But being a Jew means something. Even during this time, when you have the stories of Queen Esther and, and Purim and the other stories that we have. And so you have Jewish people basically abandoning what it means to be Jewish. And the question is, what does it mean to be Jewish? All right. Even at that point. 
So the sources that we have for that are we have Josephus and we have First and Second Maccabees. Interestingly enough, you can't find that in the Tanakh, but I brought these with me to show you. It's a little bit of a shock, but I think it's important to show. Yeah, and, you, and also you... those who are listening on the on Apple on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, this is where you go on YouTube and check this out. But go ahead, show us what you got. Sure. So how do you how do you read First and Second Maccabees? I guess you can buy the individual books, but you know who has it? This is the Catholic Bible. Wait. Yeah. They Wait, have why would for, why would they, the Catholic Bible have this? According to St. Augustine, it's just what the, it's what, before, I guess, before Christianity, Jewish people, I mean, I guess the Septuagint has it, and people were reading it, and he says the Pharisees, which is rabbinic Judaism, they didn't keep it, and we didn't keep it in the Tanakh. They're like, oh, but but it was already there, so we're going to keep it in the, the Catholic Bible. So it is in here, and this has also the Latin, it was translated into Latin by St. Jerome. That's um, wild. This is, by the way, the first time that we've ever quoted from the Bible, the Christian Bible, on this podcast. And we even had an episode on this podcast about, is the Torah only for Jews and can Christians read it too? That's mind-blowing to me. Okay, cool. I so go on. So this is, this is also crazy. Also, I have to add that not only is it crazy, but you read it and it says the famous story of this one Jew going to sacrifice a pig and Matthias Yahoo uh, kills the guy. You know, the, it's very Jewish. It's a very Jewish book. It's a very, it's a, it's a book for Jews by Jews. You have it in the Catholic Bible. You don't have it in Tanakh, but you have it in the Catholic Bible. You also have it in this. This is the Protestant King James. And this one, actually, King James, the Protestants get rid of the Apocrypha. They try to follow the Jewish Tanakh. So they get rid of it, but they did translate the Maccabees and some editions of the Protestant Bible has, has it. And then last one, let's go to a Jewish source, even though he also is controversial. We have Josephus, who does talk about it. Okay, so I was gonna work. say you're one book away from being canceled. There, that was pretty crazy. Okay, wow. I know, so I want to share that. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have these we have these Jewish stories in Christian texts, and also Josephus. Why was Josephus controversial? Josephus is controversial because he, and this is what I've heard, because I'm not. I don't want to say I'm an expert in all these things, or my opinion is a final opinion. This is just what I've heard. This is my opinion. Josephus is controversial because when you had the siege of, I think it, he was, was he in Masada? I think he was in Masada or one of the siege, Roman sieges. He didn't kill himself. And then Vespasian, who was the emperor after Nero and the war of the four emperors seizing control of Rome, he becomes the most powerful Roman as being emperor of the Flavian dynasty. And so you have Flavius Josephus, you know, taking the Roman noble name. And so he translates works, he teaches um, Vespasian about the Jewish people, and then he writes histories under Roman control, not Jewish, you know, control, Roman control. So he's writing a book which could have some bias on the Roman side, and he's seen as a little bit of a sellout, I'd say, on that, and I believe that's why he's a bit controversial. There, I know that people do have their opinions. Interesting, interesting, okay. But going back to the Maccabees, though, so so now we have these stories. We have these Jewish stories about the Maccabees yeah. from the Catholic Bible and also the Protestant Bible, apparently. Yeah, what? but but it's a Jewish book. It's a completely Jewish book. It's just that they. It's just today. It's just interesting to see who still has it in 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 the most accessible form. Right. Uh, anyways, so okay, what's the story? What's the whole issue? So Matis Yahoo or Matit Yahoo or Matatius, if you're going to be Greek. He is called upon by one of the generals for the leader or suit of the king, which is Antiochus Epiphanes IV, or the Jews, we call him Antiochus Epimenes, which means madman. 
were Greek speaking in those days now. And so he says, you know, the, the push is to have the Jews not be faithful to the Jewish law, the Torah, or Jewish tradition. And so you have a lot of Jews who are in the urban areas. You have a lot of Jews who are in the working as priests. And they're totally fine with that because of the, you know, every, everything at this point, because of Alexander the Great, the ancient world is now Greek values, Greek speaking. And that means like no circumcision, going naked to gymnasiums, things, things like that. It's like the, vis the visible aspect, the, the cultural values that they have. That's what I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just trying to say like, this is the cultural values that they have. So, and, and Jews don't have, don't just aren't sharing that. So. What happens also at this point is you have the desecration of the temple, stealing our artifacts, telling us we can't learn and study Judaism. And when the general comes to this city, Modi'in, I believe he comes to Modi'in. I don't think it's Matsyahu going to Jerusalem. They, they, the Antiochus Epiphanes wants, he wants Matsyahu to sacrifice a pig to other gods. He wants, Matsyahu is very respected for being, for observant and very religious. And if he does these things, if he bows to what the king wants and this new um, Hellenistic movement, other Jews will follow and there's more control to have over this area. So he refuses, but another Jewish person goes up and says, no problem. And he goes to sacrifice the pig. And what Matthias who does is he kills that Jewish person and the general. And then there you have the start of the revolt. Now, people look at this and, and there are two sides. There's, okay, well, he's standing up for his values. And then the other side is that he's a religious fanatic. I mean, how can you kill your own person? How can you kill another Jew? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that right now. And, and I'm personally, I'm right now on the side of, I, I don't think I could, I would want to kill another Jew for making that mistake. Listen, I know there are Jews today that identify as uh, Buddhist Jews. I've met someone that calls themselves a satanic Jew, right? You know, it doesn't mean I'm going to go kill them. Okay. The, the, these, yeah. are just, these are just, people are adopting different practices, but I also, at the same time, will sympathize with the fact that I think we were in much more dire times then, um, yeah. even more dire than right now as a Jewish state. I mean, we were actually, our people didn't have our nation and we were under complete control of another yeah. of another emperor empire so mm -hmm. i do wonder if it justifies the means but what are your thoughts on that it's it's difficult because it's like how do you say this is okay to do how do you say how do you say it's okay to kill somebody i mean even in our faith i don't know what the hellenistic view is maybe it was a hellenistic view that said that's okay maybe the other guy who sacrificed the pig wanted to kill matthias yahoo we don't really know what they're thinking. We just know the perspective of Matsus Yahoo. And we also know that in Judaism, we're not told to kill other people. That's not exactly condoned by our faith. So I think from the Jewish perspective, there has to be more there. I right. mean, that's what there's always nuance in Judaism. When a Jewish person does something, there's always nuance to it. So there must, you know, it's the, the book of Maccabees and even Josephus, they're, they're a bit vague on the story. And that's the thing in the Tanakh, there's a lot of vagueness to it. So what do you have in Judaism? You have the rabbinic tradition, you have the Talmud, you have more explanation, more discussion. Right. And then it goes to, because you can't, because in Judaism, you can't just do something and that's okay. There's, you know, kavana attention. Right. You, know, you have to have intention. You have to have nuance, you have to have conversation. 
you know, it's a very deep religion. It's a very deep faith. So I think that it's not a matter of, was it okay? Was it not okay? It's what's the wisdom? You know, what's the nuance? What's the Kavana? What's the other person's side? Sure. And what's the end result? That the end result seems to be there was an intention to preserve Judaism and have Jewish independence. And who can say that's wrong? We, we want it. But even with the, with the theme of our show, Bad Jew, right? Essentially, the person who gave in and sacrificed the pig basically was viewed as a bad Jew, mm-hmm. almost like tainted water or, or even better, a cancer. And it was removed, mm-hmm. right? Basically, mm-hmm. performed, exactly. You know, basically removed the tumor. So about the idea of preserving, and that, that's a, that, it's a dangerous idea depending on what time you're in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. At the same time, by the way, something that I am to acknowledge is the fact that I probably would have been killed because right now I'm reading a book that's inspired by Hellenistic tradition. I'm reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, <laughs> which is the introduction book to Stoicism. Yeah. So I think I would have been killed then under that, under that pretense. But, but here's the thing. It was a public display. Now that you're doing some private. This is, there's a difference between public and private. And so you have Matthias Yahoo being called to perform an action that's not that's anti-Jewish publicly for the reason of getting more Jewish to abandon what we've been fighting for and valuing for, for thousands of years. And this other person had no issue with that. I say, am I saying anything about that person? Am I saying anything about, is it okay? Is it not okay? You know, you have to look at it this way. Actions have consequences. Actions have consequences. So this person put themselves out there doing something that was not just simply for himself or his own preservation or his own values, it was to, to set an example to many other Jewish people. And at this time, we are being oppressed by the uh, tyranny of Antiochus Epiphanes. So that's one thing. The other thing too, regarding Marcus Aurelius, there um, apparently, there's, there's a couple Marcus Aureliuses because they all share the name. I know which one you're talking about, but the reason why I say there's a couple is uh, Caracalla, who's considered a pretty nasty emperor, also had the name of Marcus Aurelius. And it was either him, it was Antoninus Pius, who was before the Marcus Aurelius who wrote Meditations, or it was Marcus Aurelius himself, who had a good relationship with Judah Hanabi and was able to create some type of peace and, and, and comfort where the other former predecessor, Aurelius, Hadrian, destroyed ancient Israel. Right. So, wow. Interesting. So, I mean, so there is a good positive a relationship. I mean, you have a Talmudic scholar, one of the most important Jews of all time. How can you say reading Marcus Aurelius is bad when you have the most important person who's better than so many, you know, he's, he's an important figure in Judaism, have a relationship. So. Absolutely. And I would also go ahead and argue, by the way, that there's a lot of principles in Marcus Aurelius's writings that mm-hmm. sometimes I'm reading it feels very Jewish in the mm-hmm. perspective. So I think there's a, there's some crossover too, and that probably explains some of the positive relationship that they had. So that's actually really interesting. As we were talking, by the way, I couldn't help but think of the two major Hasidic movements that are anti-Zionist. You have the Natorai Karta, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right, and the Satmar Hasidim. And, you know, in the context of the story, who is the extremist in this case? Okay, so are you, so I get, okay, let me, let me see. I'm going to try to interpret and tell me if it's correct. Yeah. Are we looking at it as Matzis Yahu is like a Hasidic and that the other individual is like a secular Jew and it's that dichotomy? Is that what you're, you're asking? 
N no, not quite. And also, I don't know specifically the semant like like how religious each of those people okay. were that you just described. I I'm I'm thinking of you know in the theme of preserving Judaism uh -huh. and, and and taking extreme action like killing someone yeah for the sake of preservation yeah which is again a da very dangerous concept right very dangerous concept in modern day I'm I'm thinking about those like the uh, Naturai Karta or the Satmar Hasidim Hasidim who who tend to you know they they, they will they are an anti-Zionist group that are against the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we've literally been preserving for thousands of years. Yeah. Right? And I feel like if you're in those movements, how can you not do the irony in what they're doing? I don't really know. And I'm not saying that we should go and take extreme measures on them. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But, but there is a correlation there, and it's very timely with the theme, especially with everything happening in Israel and how the uh, pro-Palestinian movement takes advantage of these organizations, of these two movements, and rallies with them. Yes. Okay, I know what you're saying. And I think what you're asking is, is, is a really good question that needs to be asked. Because we already... Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. One is, we already know that if you're not interested in Judaism, put it that way, if you don't have an interest in Judaism, but you're saying you're Jewish, then it's easy to, to, to dismiss you. If you're putting on tefillin... To, for, for pictures and you're not putting it on right okay we get it you're not really interested in Judaism you're not genuine you know then it's like okay Naturi Carta they wear they wear the look they read the book they talk the talk they know the language they know the language they know things uh, I would assume better than than a lot of Jews myself included especially same thing with Satmar they know things they're smart they know Aramaic they know Yiddish they know Hebrew they know Judaism they know how to keep the Shabbat they just know things you know what I'm saying so the question is okay well, how do you handle this how, how do we as Jewish people, you know, reconcile this, this contradiction because they're not pro-Israel, they're not pro even the Hanukkah story, right? Because Hanukkah story is about reclaiming the, the uh, Jewish independence. I'll say a few things. One is, I think when it comes to story with Master Yahu, um, killing the person who sacrificed the pig, I think that uh, this, this may be radical to say, but I think it's just, this is religion we're talking about. So, you know, it's just radical things are just going to pop out, but we have to discuss these things, put into proper context because we want to live in a society which is respectful of people's opinions and lifestyles. But in terms of the Hanukkah story, the fact that we're all lighting candles, I don't think we're too upset with Matisyahu's action. I will say that because he started it. We wouldn't be lighting candles because of him. So I think the Jewish consensus is, is pretty clear, but in a polite way, because we want to maintain, we, we don't want fanaticism. All right, we're lighting candles. We're not, you know, chopping off. We're not mimicking the action. Right. So the other thing when it comes to the, the, the Satmar and Naturi Karta, the other thing about Matsusiyahu, which is interesting, is that there was a group of Jewish people who didn't want to break the Sabbath in, I believe it was Jerusalem. I think they were hiding in caves. And they all die. Some of them are able to flee, but most of them die. Why do they die? Because they're not going to break uh, the Shabbat to fight against the, the Antiochus's army. So Matsusiyahu pops out and he says, it's okay to, to fight on Shabbat. We're going to fight on Shabbat. We're going to technically break Shabbat to fight. And then you have people, you can have people, I, I was reading an article and this was not a religious group. I think they were more secular leaning and they said, well, he's just, he's just, and he, Matthias Yahu and the Maccabees had their own agenda. You know, they're reinterpreting Torah. Well, the first thing, I think the most important thing, and I said this about myself being Sephardic is the fact that I'm not, a, I have to make this clear. I'm not a Torah scholar. I'm not a Talmud scholar. I'm not any of those things. I'm not a rabbi. So I need to make that very clear. This is just my own personal opinion. 
as being just a proud independent Jew. And I respect the tradition, I respect our rabbinic interpretation, I respect their viewpoints. And if they have their viewpoints, they're better viewpoints than mine because they're scholars. But I do know, I can say that the interpretation of the Talmud can be interpreted. The interpreter of the Torah can be interpreted. There is nuance, there is conversation, there is rabbinic arguments in the Talmud. It's all preserved as best as they could. And so when Matthias Yahu is making the statement of being able to fight Shabbat, it means that he's taking the Torah, he's, he's looking at it. You know, this guy was a, he was a priestly class, I believe, and definitely a scholar. They were all scholars. So they can take it and they can look at it of, of saying, okay, how do we, how do we reconcile our faith, religion, beliefs with what needs to be done? And so that's what he does. He's, he's not, it's not like for personal agenda. It's all, it's, it's for common sense of, well, we have to preserve ourselves. Otherwise we'll be dead. I mean, it's happy to people who observe the Shabbat. Maybe that's not how to properly observe Shabbat if you're going to get yourselves killed. You right. know, I mean, maybe, right. you know, some things are just kind of common sense. So, so then, okay. Then the question is with, with Satmar and Tirakarta and those groups, I think that the Jewish community, particularly on the secular, more left-leaning, more liberal-leaning, maybe other group, many other groups have just sort of kind of a, have let other people interpret the Torah and have their say of Judaism because they look and act and, and know things. And I think there's a humility in the Jewish community, but I don't think it's in the right places because you, you have to own who you are. And I think this is what the Maccabees are reminding us is that, you know, we do have a Torah, we do have a written law, you can access it. And I think it's incumbent upon ourselves to, to either, you know, look at it and own it as best we can, or you basically just go by the wayside where, any, where anybody's taking you. What's the difference between Antiochus Epiphanes and Nepteri Carta if both groups are basically saying being Jewish, well, Antiochus is saying this, but Nepteri Carta is basically saying like, oh, you know, let's go say the people on October 7th were religiously observant. And all this stuff is going on, you know, just like Nateria Cardo's religiously observant, so they say, and just to sit there, observe Shabbat and be murdered brutally in the worst way possible. Okay, is that is that Jewish? Well, no, because let's look at Matzis Yahu, who's one of the pinnacles and icons of the, of the Jewish faith. You know, somebody who took the Torah into his own hands, interpreted it politely, and said, how do we apply Jewish law? to the real world and what's going on in our situation right now, because you can do that. The, the reason why you have all these books, the legal books and legal tradition is you look at it, even today with Supreme Court, you do the same thing. That's what legal law is. You look at it, interpret it and argue it, and then you come with, up with a consensus later on. So that's my take on it. I don't think Satmar and Nitor Carta are, especially Nitor Carta, I don't think that they are people who follow that viewpoint, which is also a Sephardic viewpoint, by the way, when you look at her. Fascinating. Uh, Maimonides as well. Fascinating. Well, I was going to say, there's something that, that you said that really struck me, and that was fighting the war of real life by interpreting the Torah. And that was, that was a theme that really, really struck me. And you're saying that that's what the Maccabees did, and that's what made them infamous, is their fight. Yes, there was a literal fight with swords and shields and probably rocks and any rubble they could find. And you know, that involved bloodshed. And then there was the other fight of interpreting the Torah. So yeah. if the opposite of an extremist is a, is a holy person. Okay. Sometimes that's one of the same, depending on how yeah. you position yourself. But like, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, is do we, do we recognize and, and 
embrace the Maccabee narrative because of their fight with Antiochus or their fight with by interpreting the Torah? I think it's both because they did both. And the, and the narrative of Matzis Yahu in the first Maccabees, which is a short narrative and then he dies after, is the is the, A, the fighting, and B, the Torah interpretation. And I think that as, as Jewish people, regardless of level of observance, I think that Jewish people deep down have a respect and an awareness that our identity really comes from the Torah. And without it, we don't have an identity. I, and, I, and I know that's a strong thing to say, but it's, it's the truth. And when he, when Matthias Yahoo's fighting, he's fighting to preserve this identity. The Greeks, beautiful culture, right? Smart yeah. culture. A lot of cultures are beautiful, but cultures and people change the societies change empires go up and empires go down and you hear all these criticisms you know america's based on criticizing uh, a lot of the uh, european culture which was not in the interests of the average person but when it comes to judaism when you really boil it down of who we are it's like i think when you say torah i think that or excuse me saying torah people think law and and, and zealotry and you know, all these things and that's can be true but also people forget, and this is an interesting thing, but people forget that like when you look at Torah law, you have holidays that we observe and those holidays bring us together and they're beautiful holidays. They tell us how to like set a table. They tell us how to, you know, cook, or not cook, but something, but you, you, you know, you have to cook something, you know, you have to do things that are, that are meaningful to anybody. And that's what brings us together and our community going. And I, to, to me, that's what that means. And I, and, and that's what. Um, Matas Yahoo's fighting for it's that little thing because this guy is not an urban person he's not uh, the, the wealthy person he's not an elite person he's a regular person living in some small village and when you're living in a small village people do have to work together and be a community to get what they need and, and get things done and, and survive and you know it can sound base and it can also sound beautiful because that's how civilization grows when people work together civilization is a connection of people and the Torah teaches us about how to be a connection of people and the best way to do that is, you know, you have a Shabbat on Friday night and people come. I came, you know, like my story I told you, I lived in North Samaria, I lived in Jerusalem. I was around the ultra-Orthodox. I am not an ultra-Orthodox person at all. In fact, things I say are contrary to that. And my beliefs are contrary to that in, in certain cases. But these are the people who brought you, brought us and brought us being strangers into their homes, cooked for us and didn't ask anything of us. This was in Mea Sherim. This was, which is the most ultra-Orthodox neighborhood. And then many of the other neighborhoods in Jerusalem and throughout the state of Israel. They bring us into the, to their homes, and this is what builds Jewish connections and Jewish identity, and, and keeps it going. Amazing answer, amazing, amazing answer. And I also want to say that I think what the Maccabees stood for back then is literally happening right now. In that, I mean, I saw this, I saw this incredible image happening right now in the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza right now where an IDF soldier had this huge backpack and he, he was armed. He was, you know, he, he was on, he was on the front lines, right? But he had this huge backpack. But when you open it up, do you know what was inside the backpack? What was in it? It was a Torah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. he would, he was a combat unit that was transferring a Torah and you see soldiers in Gaza, you know, putting, you know, practicing Shabbat on, you know, mm -hmm. keeping Shabbat. Yeah. And yeah. I've even seen a video where in the rubble, the, the remaining rubble of a building that was, you know, decrepit and mostly destroyed, they still put a mezuzah on it because that was going to be a temporary headquarters for that. Oh, wow. Unit there. So these, you know, I think that these are 
Maccabean like days that we are in. Oh, if sure. that's a way to put it, I don't yeah. think I just made up that word, but regardless, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see the Hanukkah story happening IRL in real life right there in the Middle East. And, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, there is fighting happening on the holidays and on, on Shabbat, but arguably so from what I've learned from you, our IDF soldiers, our, our current state of Israel is fighting this war, not just with guns and with rockets and with an air force and with mm-hmm. a Navy and a military, mm-hmm. but also by interpreting the Torah. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. It's oh, pretty for incredible. sure. And I have to, I have to share something. You reminded me of something. So I teach, I actually teach at a, at a reform temple and I wouldn't, yeah, respect the, you know, reform Judaism respects Judaism, but it also has different approaches to it. And sometimes, you know, you, you have people who aren't so super into the observance, but what's interesting, I've seen a change where the parents, I've been speaking to them, they want their kids to know what it is. And they're not shying from like this conversation. I mean, I have to teach my kids about Hanukkah. You know, they're not shying from this conversation because they know it's important. You know, their kids need to know what, what it means to be Jewish and what it's all about. And, and they expect that of us and, and they've asked it of us. And one of the things they also mentioned was, that, you know, how important community is to them as key word in Judaism. You know, we obviously, you know, this is a conversation we're having, which is a tough conversation. We're talking about one of our greatest leaders killing another uh, Jewish person for, for a reason. And we're talking about this and this is part of the Jewish conversation, Jewish history. But at the same time, Judaism boiling it down to is you're preserving the right for us to have control and have autonomy over how we set our own table Mm. and bring people over and build those connections and build that community. It's something very powerful in Judaism that you don't see. And I like Marcus Aurelius a lot. He's an awesome person, but he's not doing that. But he oh. does do say one thing. I'll say what he does say. Yeah. And he, he refers to another great Stoic leader, Epictetus, who was a slave. And he rose up from slavery. He was a smart mm-hmm. man. And Marcus Aurelius admired Epictetus. And so did many other of the elites of the Roman Empire. And we only know what Epictetus taught because one of his students who was the governor of Greece, I think his name was Arian, he writes and records Epictetus' teachings. And when you boil down Epictetus' teachings and boil down Stoicism in terms of their ethics, and maybe this is my own personal interpretation, or maybe this is what they are, I think this is what they are, is that you, there's an old phrase from the Greco-Roman world, know yourself. That's the phrase. And Plato says it, the Stoics say it. And they also say, if some wisdom comes from somewhere, then it's good wisdom, even if it opposes our viewpoints. The Stoics will take from Plato, and the Platonists will take from the Stoics, and the Aristotelians will take from both. This... And then the Epicureans, people forget about those guys. And, the, and everybody's sh- competing with each other because they were also competing for students, but they were sharing certain core values that they shared. But it was always know yourself. You have, to, you have to be something, right? And when you look back at Judaism, when you look at the Maccabees, I don't think the Maccabees, I don't think the Jewish people, I don't think we're anti other people's lifestyles. We are preserving our own lifestyle because at the end of the day, you have to know who you are. You have to stand for something. You have to be something. And then you have the, 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 the quote, the phrase, you know, know yourself, be something, what Hillel says, you know, if I'm not for myself, who am I for? All right. But those words are empty unless there's like a rule book, if there's a story, if there's a history and you get, and you get that from the Torah. Yeah. Fantastic answer. 
Jay, if people wanted to find you out there, what is the best way for people to connect with you? I'd say my Instagram. And that is at Sephardic Soul for those who are just listening on the listening platforms. Jay, it's been a real treat to have you on this podcast. I want to like, why? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to us. This, this we're going to call this Sonic like special. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> this was great talking with you. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. I learned a lot here. And there's a lot about the Magnum that um, have, have come become very relevant in the latest days. Oh, yeah. And you making that very clear was awesome. So, Jay, thanks for being on the podcast. And to our listeners, we'll see you next week. Shalom. Sure.